This is Cole. Learn how to tell stories in logic. My God. <laughs> You're so, this is so hard. And this is Ron. Yes. I hate your guts. Oh, that's a lie. That's a lie right there. Oh, desperation is a stinky cologne. We are the creative team. Oh, my God. I quit. Well, it's the big hole. Did you really just book that? <laughs> Michael Jordan and The Undertaker. Uh, in your face. One of them has 30 years, and the other one is just Michael Jordan. Woo! Welcome back to another exciting episode of... Oh! The Creative Team. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another exciting episode of... The Creative Team. I am your host, Cole Dawson, and with me, as always, my hashtag team partner, Ron Kilborn. Ronald, how you doing today, bud? I'm doing fantastic, so fantastic, because it's hard for me to come down from the match we just witnessed. As we're recording, Clash at the Castle is happening. You even have it in the background. I'm on. I have it on I, good authority, right? I do. Uh, Liv Morgan is getting the shit kicked out of her by Shayna Baszler as we speak, but. The match that you speak of, we just watched and delayed our recording time a little bit, which I appreciate because you have a shit ton of work to do today, was... Gunta versus Sheamus. And I got to say, this was, uh, for me, and probably for him too, according to the very end of this, I think this was, this was Sheamus' finest moment. I think he's going to look at this way more fond, way more fonder than any WrestleMania moment he's ever had. Uh, this was like as much of a WrestleMania moment as it gets for Sheamus. And this was as much of a WrestleMania match as this could get too. This could easily have been on WrestleMania, any of the WrestleManias going forward. I'm so high on this match and I have such a follow that rest of the weekend attitude because all outs tomorrow. And, uh, I am going to be very impressed if anything even comes close to that. Well, I mean, uh, it's our style match. That's what we prefer. You and I, we agree. Like the hard hitting, you know, heavyweights going at it. You know, there wasn't a lot of flips or flops and flies. It was just two dudes beating the ever loving shit out of each other. Felt real. Even the times they did spill out to the floor and use a little bit of the, you know, the furniture around the ring as, as it were. It was realistic. They didn't go under the ring and find some magical thing that just you know, appeared under the ring. They used the steps. They used the table that set up. It was really fantastic. And, I mean, absolutely hard-hitting. Sheamus's body is absolutely fantastic for that style of match. It's much like Daniel Bryan where he marks up so easily and so quickly that when it's a chop fest, like, you just feel his pain. Like, you can feel that through the TV like, ow, fuck. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, that match is going to be with him for a while. I mean, earlier in the week, we talked about it, um, how, oh, it's great. It's another two-pay-per-view weekend, thanks to AEW, and uh, this might be the first time we're more excited for the WWE pay-per-view than the AEW. What say you? Oh, definitely. Like, you, you even uh, tongue-in-cheek said, oh, I'm only excited for one. I was like, well, me too, but it ain't AEW. <laughs> <laughs> and and you're like, well, I'm just going. I'm just uh, gonna watch AEW for the potential train wreck. I was like, well, I'm gonna watch WWE for this fucking awesome pay per view that might just happen in front of our eyes. I yeah. don't want. I don't want to see a freaking wrestling show because it's it might suck. Although, although I think the equivalent of Walter, uh, sorry, Gunther and Sheamus is going to be on the pre-show, unfortunately for AEW, because yeah. uh, King and Ishii is a Wrestle Kingdom uh, match. If if I was booking it. But um, yeah, this uh, this 
weekend's going to be packed full of moments. I can't wait to, when we stop recording, and just watch it and just become a fan. As soon as I finish my shoot job. But speaking yeah. of moments, Cole, we should probably get to why we're here. We got ourselves another top ten. And, uh, boy, uh, what you, what'd you think of uh, the top ten moments of Raw? So, yeah, top ten moments of Raw was fantastic. It was fun. This list was a little harder for me to come up with because I realized that by the time SmackDown started, that's kind of when my interest in watching wrestling on a weekly basis kind of goes in and out, at least for the first few years. And then, it, you know, for the last 10, it's been, you know, just non-existent. I haven't watched wrestling on a weekly basis. But since uh, the other half of this show is an actual fan, I was watching SmackDown. Uh, SmackDown was during a time period where I was continuing my fandom. It was it was fun. It was fun. But uh, I, mo- much like you with these top tens, I didn't really do a lot of research. I just reached into my memory bank. So there might be a bunch of glaring omissions. But I just got to tell the audience at home, this is my show, pal. This is our show, pal. And this is just going to be coming from our from our memory banks. More so my own, because clearly you might have had to do some research. Well, I did have to do some research, but it confirmed a lot of things. Like, um, because a lot of, like, the big, like, spectacular segments that happened in the history of wrestling, we all just kind of assume it was on Monday Night Raw. Yeah. But uh, as I was going back, like, a lot of these happened on SmackDown. So I was like, oh, cool. Like, I have a real list that's not me just picking off other people's stuff. This is stuff I really enjoyed and love and even talk about to this day. But also in the research, I was like, God, I hope this is on Rod's list. Like, there was a lot of stuff that was maybe not top 10 moments that I was like, yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I had, a lot, I had a lot of those ready to go. Yeah. I got really excited for this list after I started reading. Because like, before, I was like, oh, I don't know. Because like, I feel like like when you just think about it over 30 years. You know, well, has it been 30 years almost since SmackDown's been on? It's been 20 almost i think they're like 1500 episodes in there's a lot to choose from insane insane 1500 episodes yeah there is a lot to choose from but like just when you like for me in my brain i always thought like when i think about it's like oh smackdown's like the wrestling show they do matches on smackdown and all the big segments and over the top bullshit is on raw but that is not the case no no we've got a lot of good stuff going on here yeah i mean you know doo-doo trucking's a term for a reason (laughs) i'll just go ahead and kick things off with my top 10 smackdown moments of all time with my number 10 now my number 10 is probably the most recent we're gonna go but I, i i don't there's not a particular moment but there's just the whole episode is great because it starts one way and then ends one way, and I think I'm the only person. Maybe you share the same emotion. I was just laughing hysterically, and then I just went to the social medias and just laughed at everybody who hated it. But I'm talking about the very first uh, SmackDown on Fox. We had the big, awesome open of The Rock introducing SmackDown to Fox and blah, 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 blah. Then we get Kofi Kingston versus Brock Lesnar in like eight seconds. And it was the big fairy tale ending, just sad ending, and the internet was crushed, and I was just on the phone just laughing hysterically. Like, oh, I'm sorry, the big sports network wanted to put the big mega sports star over on their television show? Yeah. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but yeah, no, that's my number 10. I wanted to put it right firmly there just because I thought it was the funniest thing ever, and you did too. <laughs> this big oh, it was old... fucking great. Yeah. It was brilliant. Like, here's the thing. Uh, the, the Kofi Kingston is the number one reason that I've elevated 
Daniel Bryan to the same stratosphere as Bret the Hitman Hart. Not quite, you know, hasn't caught him yet, but they're like at least in the same stratosphere at this point because Daniel Bryan pulled mass hypnosis on the masses, uh, just on everyone, and made everyone that wasn't paying attention for the last 15 years think that Kofi Kingston was a main eventer and deserved a title match and even a run because Brian Danielson is the best wrestler on the planet right now that's actively wrestling. And uh, he made everyone believe in Kofi Kingston and Kofi Mania was bored. And by his first pay-per-view as the champion, they didn't sell out a pay-per-view and the, the buy rate was just atrocious. So like there was no doubt it was like it was a great little moment. But Kofi Kingston is not a top guy. And the reason that WWE was able to sign a multi-billion dollar television deal with Fox was specifically because of Brock Lesnar and Ronda Rousey. So this was brilliant. Um, I'm not sure I would have squashed a guy in such dominant fashion in like under a minute. But it was impressive. It was under half a minute. Half a minute. (laughs) literally it was like i've seen instagram reels longer than than this match i've seen tiktoks longer than this match it was the best yeah which and i think i like i probably wouldn't have done that but the fact that they did made it more impactful and even just that much better and made brock a shit heel to like brock probably wouldn't agree to anything else oh i loved it man i absolutely loved it it's a strong start so uh, I also started my top 10 list with a first, but I went back to the very first episode of SmackDown. The very first episode of SmackDown did a 5.7 rating, which is in fucking sane. And it featured the main event, The Rock versus Triple H in a fucking strap match. So that sounds awesome. I may go and review this episode at some point, especially since one Jim Cornette is on commentary for this uh, first SmackDown. Oh, yes, and we recently learned that. I love that, you know, you, you, two first, you know, debut on Fox and then the debut of the show in general. Uh, my number nine is one of the more recent moments of, uh, recent, sorry, uh, one of the most older moments of SmackDown, one of the most, uh, of the older episodes, and I had, I reminded myself of this because I totally forgot. This was like a repeated GIF animation for a while, but uh, I titled this the All Be Backhand. Uh, but uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger was on SmackDown, and he was doing commentary during a Triple H match, and he gave Hunter Hearst Helmsley, Triple H, the hardest punch I've ever seen a celebrity throw, and it's not graceful at all. Like, this is way, this is way not one of his movie-working punches, that's for sure. But uh, he, <laughs> and it's just, just the way he was sitting there, he, like, he got up and just did the most sloppiest backhand, but Triple H ate it. Look it up. It's hilarious. Uh, solid number nine for me. Arnold Schwarzenegger backhanding any wrestler is fantastic. Yes, yes. Arnold Schwarzenegger being on TV, doing any of that is fantastic. Oh, okay. I just got to throw this in a little real quick. Very cool. Uh, they've got Adrian Street and Miss Linda there. Old, old school at the Clash of the Castle. Dude, Triple H is doing everything right, man. And uh, that segment with Arnold, like, he's been doing that shit for 30 years now, you know, 25 years. So, absolutely, I love Arnold Schwarzenegger, and uh, it was a fun moment. Uh, They do a good job with the celebrity guests. It's always leads to some kind of fun. 
Yeah, I think uh, I think he called that finisher the kindergarten chop. <laughs> You're just waiting for me to shut up so you can get that shit in. Yeah, I'm waiting for you to pay attention too. Stop watching the fucking pay per view. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my number nine moment. This is a re- realistically, this is a huge moment in wrestling history. And when we go back, we're going to remember the Kurt Angle Open Challenge. And on this <sighs> night on SmackDown, we got one. John Cena making his debut and giving birth to the term ruthless aggression. Yes. That I I I always forgot like how like fast-paced and competitive and awesome that match was. Yeah. You know, like you know, they made it seem like it was an enhancement talent match and at the very end of it it was, but like that wasn't the story. It was the story that Kurt Angle won by the skin of his teeth. And yeah, uh what a hell of a debut, especially during Kurt Angle's like wrestling machine run where he was like unstoppable. So yeah, solid moment. And yeah, <laughs> like only like the beginning of like the last like t- tippy top uh, mainstream yeah. transitional uh, wrestler. At least for now. At, At least for least now. For now. Yeah, the way things are going, uh, who knows? Who knows? I think wrestling's prime for another boom. But... Yes. And now my number eight. Uh, you will probably you'll probably kind of decide 50-50 on where you think my list is going based on this moment but i you ask any like wrestling fan this has got to be like a moment that they've talked about more than once because of how awesome it was but billy and chuck's wedding uh is one of the coolest segments on smackdown the 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 big swerve bro of uh, eric bischoff taking off the disguise of the priest uh, is still one of those things that got me to this day. And then uh, three-minute warning coming out and trashing the place and ruining everyone's day was uh, icing on the cake, the wedding cake, that is. But, uh, yeah, solid moment. I loved the big unveiling of Bischoff. And, uh, yeah, that's my number eight moment. Uh, who knows where this list is going to go from here? Uh, I will say that one is on my honorable mentions, so not totally... Uh way out of out of left field here so shit was badass even though it was kind of weird well so here's the thing i thought the whole storyline build up to it was pretty damn good um i thought the execution of it was just horrendous up until because when they go like hey man like we're not gay like at the last second they finally were like guys we're not we're not really doing this like up at that point i was like wow what a shit payoff to this brilliant storyline they've been running until Eric Bischoff throws his shoot voice in there. It was one of the most shocking moments ever because the makeup job was so good that not I did not think it was someone in makeup at all. Neither did like, I. At no point did anyone, there was no point when anyone thought that was Eric Bischoff up until the moment he revealed his real voice. And it was so good. That it saved the whole thing, the whole segment. It's it's actually is a really great segment, but uh, it was a little <laughs> little bit of a disappointing payoff to the end of the Billy and Chuck buildup. But uh, the the Bischoff part was great. And uh, did I just hear myself say three minutes or what? Oh, so good. Yes. So my number eight is very is a very explosive entrance. Ooh. Stone Cold Steve Austin blowing up the DX Express. Yes. It's one of those moments that's been on the sizzle reel for years. 
Uh, I believe it's still on on the intro to SmackDown from time. Like it's one of those things that gets shown all the fucking time. It's uh, like I said, it's one of those things that you would think, oh yeah, that that definitely happened on Raw. Um, no, you know, yeah, it, but it did not. It was absolutely a SmackDown moment, and it's one of those things that they're still trying to recreate to this day. These awesome moments like this. You, you can't put someone else in a big vehicle to blow up a bus, or you can't put someone in a monster truck without thinking of Stone Cold. Stone Cold did it first. Um, but it's so funny because that, that's a great transition to my number seven because my number seven is Austin and DX related. Now, this was a thread of a sh- thread of the show on SmackDown, but there was like an episode, an entire episode where Austin was just hunting Degeneration X, like legit <laughs> hunting them. Like they found Road Dog in a bear trap. And then like a couple segments later, they found Billy hung upside down uh, from a rope. And then this is my favorite part. My favorite part is when... He calls X-Pac on the phone, and and mind you, X-Pac has the phone to his ear, but you can clearly hear Stone Cold like he's on speakerphone, so the audience <laughs> at home can hear it, you know, cause so, yeah. so we can know the story. But that was already a glaring red flag as far as connecting yeah. the dots. So he's like, hey, kid, don't forget, to re- don't forget to look for the stars. What? Look for the stars? So he looks up, and the entire ceiling just caves in on X-Pac. <laughs> Like he, like he knew where he was gonna be standing at that moment in time. And it's the most epic visual you'll ever see. It's the most cartoony bullshit. But I just remember being a kid laughing my ass off. He's like, "Don't forget to look at the stars, kid. Look at the stars." It might as well be like a piano, like landing on somebody in a cartoon. Oh, it was the best. Oh, but yeah, he God. did all that just so he can get Triple H alone, and like that was good storytelling. Really deep into the attitude era shenanigans. Oh. Just, <laughs> just stupid silliness and sometimes it's great austin is one of those guys that comedically is very underrated and <laughs> i'm not mad at it um so my number seven is a little more serious uh this was just an epic moment this was like the official moment where they put the stamp on Brock Lesnar. I got to say, Brock Lesnar's got a lot of great SmackDown moments, man. Oh, he was but, the god uh, of SmackDown. Yeah. And so uh, my number seven, Brock Lesnar just decimating Hulk Hogan on national television. Hogan's bleeding. Uh, Brock Lesnar just, like, says, fuck your big boot leg drop. Like, doesn't even sell it. Just gets up, destroys Hulk Hogan. Yes. And... Uh, officially kills Hulkamania and, you know, goes on to be the champion and all that great stuff. So, yeah, absolute big moment for Brock. Yeah, they ha- they play that on Brock Lesnar highlight videos all the time where he just wipes his blood on his chest. It was epic. Like, I think that was, like, the last time they did the whole I'm going to kill Hulkamania thing and it actually stuck. You know, that's, that's, that's another notch on dude's belt. End the streak, kill Hulkamania. <coughs> Was was that when the Mister America thing started, or did Hogan just went away for a while? I think he went away for a while, and then came back into the whole Mister America thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like 2002 was yeah was when Brock did that and went on top, and then uh, Hulk Hogan came back to wrestle Vince at Mania. All right. Yeah, memory bank. Your number six. My number six was. A kick was, I thought, was a literal kickoff to a match I've always wanted to see ever since I saw this. But uh, The Rock and Triple H had a match on one of the earlier episodes of SmackDown. And um, they had a special guest referee, and it happened to be Shawn Michaels. And it was one of those floating time periods where you didn't know who Shawn 
who Shawn Michaels was his allegiance to. He was just kind of like the commissioner, and he was the heel commissioner. Then he went away, and now he's coming back, and he's just kind of like, you know, he's just Shawn Michaels. He's nobody's friend. But this night, The Rock goes for the people's elbow, and as he comes back from the second hitting of the ropes, because that is the, you know, order of operations when it comes to delivering that people's elbow, Shawn Michaels just wham! Kicks him with the with a, such a stiff super kick, so much so that even podcasts will tell you that there was some hurt feelings afterwards. But dude was wearing like some cowboy boots and clocked him right in the face. And uh, I thought we were gonna get a Rock Shawn Michaels match like eventually at some point they were gonna revisit that like at some point the like, promos yeah. would be amazing. Just I think like you got two of the best sports entertainers in there. I think I think that's one of those matches that got away. And uh, just that moment alone was like, oh, not only did Shawn Michaels get physical, he hit the rock. Ugh. Uh, it's bringing me back because I was like 13 when it happened. Yes, the that was the finish to the very first episode of SmackDown. So. Was that the strap match? Yes. Nice. Yes. I read, yeah, that's, it was the strap match. That was the finish. It was, so they, they, they kicked off SmackDown with a big fucking bang. So That rocks. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh god damn it alright so rolling right along to my number 6 moment still with some more Brock Lesnar going on here Brock Lesnar superplexes the big show and the ring explodes fucking phenomenal visual I wish they only did it one time ever but it was fantastic it was one of those shocking moments and then they just went off the air like it was great yes really a cool moment when it happened like the the visual of the ring post just like flying out from under the ring oh it was amazing yeah and like you said it's it's been done to death now and it's not impressive anymore but this was like the first of its kind and uh we'll talk about it again yay yay and that brings me to my number five the halfway point um this was this was an important moment for me, and I'm sure you as well. Maybe it's on your list. But the Eddie Guerrero Championship celebration, when he first won the title, he comes out in the car with the title, green and red and white confetti all over the place, a hero's welcome. It was fantastic. I think it was in Texas, too, his home state. Uh, and this it was a visual that we never thought we'd see. Not only did he beat... Brock Lesnar a couple days before, but he's standing in the middle of the ring with the undis at the time the undisputed heavyweight championship, and all this confetti and balloons, and we're celebrating Eddie Guerrero as the heavyweight champion of the world. That's my number five SmackDown moment. Solid, solid, yeah. So my number five. Yeah. <laughs> Foreshadowing. Um. Another big moment, yeah. Another big moment, more of an emotional, emotional moment. Emotionable. Uh, That's a word. Yeah, emotionable. Daniel Bryan making his announcement that he's returning to the ring after three years when we thought his career was over. A great promo, very emotional from Bryan. Um, wonderful moment. It's one of my favorite things that's ever happened. So. That's awesome, and that is one of those things that I forgot happened on SmackDown and was a glaring omission from my list, so I'm glad that you brought that up. That could very well be making the final list. Absolutely. I'm putting, you know, I keep track. I keep track. We're good. 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 <laughs> now, 
tell me if you've kept track of this because this was a hot topic uh, of discussion between me and you, really, just because we never seen anything like it. But there was an opening segment where Hulk Hogan was supposed to cut a promo, and it was in it was in Montreal, and the crowd just would not let him speak. So much so that they had to go through two commercial segments of just the audience chanting his name. And I still think that's one of the most, like, the definition of being over. If you want to see it, it's these clips. Every time that he goes to speak, the audience just gets louder. And mind you, this is Canada for the real American. Yeah. <laughs> that's how that's how over Hulk Hogan was, especially during his red and yellow comeback in 2002. I remember just being enthralled with it. There's no way they could have anticipated that. Lord knows what was cut in order for that to happen. And uh, as Cole is reacting to a pay-per-view instead of listening to what I'm saying, uh, that is my number four. Montreal welcomes Hulk Hogan. Yeah, we've talked about this promo on the podcast many a times, and uh, it's such... like, cause we, You went to the Hall of Fame with us, right? No. Oh, you did. You weren't there at the Hall, at Hogan's Hall of Fame. No. Oh man, I no. Thought everyone During was. my favorite WrestleMania weekend. Yeah. So <laughs> we got to experience a little bit of that because when Hogan came out, it was obvious they went to a commercial break anyway because you know they 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 set it up for TV and whatnot, and he got you know a three minute standing ovation. It was great, but. The standing ovation he got after the WrestleMania moment with The Rock when he came out on SmackDown is one of the most emotional things you'll ever see in pro wrestling. Because, you know, for 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 where we are now in the world with Hogan and whatever, I'm so glad he got this return and he had those moments where he got to feel that genuine love and appreciation for everything that he did for the wrestling business. Because, like, when it really comes down to it, period... Everyone can pick their favorite and say what they want. But without Hulk Hogan in the 80s and NWO Hogan in the 90s, like we might not even wrestling might not even exist as we know it today. Like it would be it, it like this mainstream being a mainstream big thing. It it might just be like, you know, hidden on cable television somewhere. Well, and yeah, it would still exist. But it's like it wouldn't. There's no way a WWE is a multi-billion dollar company without Hogan. Absolutely, and like everybody, like any legend who comes back and try to tries to do a comeback, it looks on the surface like what it is—a legend having a comeback. When he came back, it was like another mini wrestling boom. He was on top of the world in the industry. He was yeah. the champion. He was the main guy. He was making all the other guys, and being like the top top star. Like it just it, it felt like it never went away. That's that's a legend comeback. Yeah, and no one's going to come close to doing that again, I don't think. No, I don't. I think the closest thing we were ever going to see was Ric Flair's last match. If The and, Rock uh, decides to come yeah. back full-time, that's the closest we're ever going to get to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, The Rock or Austin, but even still, like, we had Austin at WrestleMania, and it was great, and the crowd was insane, and it was fun, but, like, it, it's... Austin's run really when we think about it was like four years like his real serious run it's like Wrestlemania 14 to is 19 his last one yeah mm -hmm. yeah so five, five years mm -hmm. five year run for Austin and the rocks pretty much the same yeah. like he was kind of gone after that Austin match too he's been back a few times but like 
these guys' runs were five years. Hulkamania was running wild from 85 until fucking 2000. Like, when, whenever WrestleMania 18 happened, that's when WrestleMania, that's when it finally was like, okay, like, we're finally done with Hulkamania. So, like, a 17-year being the number one guy in the business, like, that's just unheard of. It's insane. Like, Luthez was a big top guy for a very long time. Bruno was the top guy in a territory for a very long time, but to be the number one guy from 1985 until like 2003 globally, just yeah, globally, just insane. So I, I there's nobody like Hogan. There never will be anyone like Hogan, and it's unfortunate that he has a couple of things that you know. Since we it's 2022, we have to be mad at him and we have to mention you know a private conversation he had with his daughter, but <laughs> it is what it is. So, yeah, my number four, Eddie Guerrero's WWE Championship Celebration on SmackDown. Like, this is maybe the closest I ever came at that point to, like, crying during wrestling. And, then, like, it's only happened to me once where I genuinely, other than my sister, I have, like, I cry every time I see my sister in a WWE ring just about, especially live. Like, Wrestling's made me cry a handful yeah. of times. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. okay. I'm okay with that. Yeah, I'm okay with it too. But like, this was one of those where it was close, where you're just like watching in awe and stunned silence. Like, I can't like, you're watching the guy that that you deserved it. Like, absolutely one thousand percent deserved everything he was getting at that moment. And we just never thought it was going to happen because he's you know, Ed, Sean and and Brett were smaller guys. But, like, by normal human standards, they're big fucking guys. Oh, like, yeah. Realistically. But Eddie was, is really, a, like, he's 5'7". Yes. He's 5'8". He's not a big man. and But his talent is just bigger than anyone else that's ever existed. Like, he's right up there with Randy Savage and Terry Funk and, and the, you know, Shawn Michaels of the world. And he deserved every bit of this. And the crowd was just pouring out emotion for this man that that deserved it and it was a moment we never thought we'd see and we did get to see that magical moment and i think it was universally just like everyone just true real emotions coming out it was great yeah and it really paved the way it was like an early preview of like what was to come with you know the landscape of wrestling today yeah we have our big hosses but you know with the with the certain returns uh, happening recently and you know the baby faces that they are choosing to push eventually, maybe, you know, we could be going back to wrestlers of that size and caliber, uh, holding that title and main eventing a WrestleMania again, who knows the, the management it's under new management. There's a new sheriff in town yeah. and we could be seeing a lot more stuff. That's reminiscent of the 2002 era of wrestling. Uh, speaking of which, uh, a year before, uh, leading into my number three moment, uh, this was uh, a segment that I've rewatched recently, and I uh, remember seeing a story that one of the participants told about it, and I just thought it was a comedic gold and a great story. But when they took an entire segment and Vince allowed Paul Heyman to say whatever he wanted to Vince McMahon's face, uh, this was a moment of all moments that, like, even I at the time didn't know exactly what he was talking about, but I knew he was talk spitting some real shit that I had to, like, 
you know, go and kind of like research, which was hard to do at the time. But I remember just Paul just firing up, throwing his hat at him and blaming him for killing wrestling and, and, um, you know, talking about, uh, taking his ideas and making it his own and calling it the attitude era and, uh, just giving it all to him. And just to piggyback on that, um, Paul Heyman tells a story about like, are you sure you just want to give me like a five minute promo to say what I want? Do you want to go over notes? It's like, nope, just draw me money. And he just kept repeating that. I was like, so what if I say like, don't even tell me, just get out there and draw me money. <laughs> and that, and that just goes to show the type of guy Vince is. He already knows that he won. What could you possibly say yeah. to him? You can well, say literally and, whatever you want. And it's silly too, because like, it's just weird because, like, with ECW, Vince, like, allowed them to, like, shine a little bit. And, like, he would put ECW guys over. He let Paul Heyman do this. But, like, just totally had to just bury to death WCW. Like, had to beat Sting at WrestleMania. Had to beat Steiner. Had to beat Booker T after they did this just ridiculous angle where Triple H was, like, bordering on racist as fuck when mm -hmm. he was building up to mania and still beat booker t at mania after that beat like, goldberg the, yeah beat goldberg like they had to bury the fuck out of wcw so to let paul Heyman go out there and just really shoot and fucking cut loose i'm glad we're talking about this because this is one of those things diamond dallas I mean, page was a yeah. stalker and a motivational speaker yeah, exactly I, I well the motivational speaker thing's legit and that's fine and if he would have started with that it might not have been as bad but <laughs> but that wouldn't be main eventing WrestleMania that is true that is true and but, that's not like, a bad thing but yeah I'm it's I'm, a good thing <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there <laughs> oh dude this uh. This segment was gold. I'm glad we're talking about it. That might be one that I pushed through to the final list because it's such a good promo. So, all right. My number three, this one might be surprising to you, Ronald. Okay. This might be my favorite, like, Edge of my seat. terrible fucking segment that's ever happened in the history of life. Spill but it. But it's so good and so entertaining. And there was a lot of spilling going on. Get after it. Stone Cold Steve Austin attacked Booker T at a grocery store. Yes. <laughs> I wanted to talk about this, but I left it off. I was like, okay, I shat the bed on the raw list. I'm going to go a little more cereal on oh, this one. But, but uh, speaking of cereal, there was so much of it in this segment. So much cereal in this segment, but it was not a cereal segment. If you if you know what no. I mean, it no, was. No. It looked like the most fun, and like I I bet you, you go back, you'll catch a couple of moments of them like laughing. I guarantee it. And I even oh, think, for sure. I even think Book and Stone Cold have talked about that on each other's podcast, just talking about how much of a blast this was. Like fuck the fuck the fame, fuck the titles, fuck the money. Like you're you go into work one day, like and you read the sheet, like what's this? Oh, we're going to just completely destroy a grocery store. You're just going to squash this guy and you're just going to sell for him the whole time. You want some milk? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, book. <laughs> oh, it's so good. It's one of those segments that's like it's wrestle crap to the like 10,000th degree, but Austin is so good. And Booker T just holds up like, "Ah, oh, no." Ah. Oh. <laughs> It's Seriously, so fucking great. Austin can do no wrong. We 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 uh we talk crap about a lot of segments that happen today. But I tell you what, if Stone Cold did Ladenner Debonair, it would be the fucking shit. 
<laughs> like, well, yeah, why, why did Kurt Angle get... with the little hat and the singing to Vince? Yeah. Like, they did all that shit. Why does Stone hey. Cold get such a pass? I need to go back and review my, my uh, judgment <laughs> because Stone Cold did a lot of shit that just, you know, people would get crucified today to do. Uh, but, yeah, this is one of those epic segments that was a glaring omission on my list, but I'm so glad we're talking about it. I, I'm already pulling for that one to be on the top ten list. All right, I'll put a little star by it now. Star hey, by it now. My yeah, number this... two, my number two, we've already discussed it, but we're going to discuss it a little bit further. But this was like a holy shit moment for me. And I remember the word holy shit because Taz says it on the air and they bleep it out. But when Big Show and Brock Lesnar broke that ring for the very first time, it can never be replicated. And it has been. But that that shock and awe can never be replicated because, yes, we went off the air and we had so many questions. The internet wasn't as awesome as as it is today. We could look stuff up, but there yeah. wouldn't there wouldn't be like an immediate bootleg bootleg version of what's happening on the aftermath on the internet, so we can like watch what's not on TV. That's that that just wasn't the time we were living in, and that was one of those times where I really wanted that to be the case because I was like, "What just happened?" <laughs> like the when the ring blew up, I was like, "How do you continue?" Like. The, the the poor Mike Kyoto he falls on his ass and, and almost dies because how do you <laughs> yes. prepare how do you prepare to just like I I I think he just like totally ate shit when it happened too and it's uh it's such a scary looking moment and what a what a trust fall that is especially when one of the participants is 500 pounds yeah I mean seriously the 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 ring posts explode out from under the ring and go flying it is a scary visual I like it's so shocking. And since it never happened, but that, but again, it's one of those things that once you've seen it, it's fucking done. Like you can't, and they've done it at least twice since then, you know, where they've broken the ring and it's just a little bit silly, but uh, the first time it was incredible. It's one of those few moments, you know, in the mid two thousands where people like the whole internet was a buzz. Everyone was talking about it. All my friends, like, people were texting, like, bro, did you see this? It's fucking amazing. Absolutely yeah, you want to imp- impress me with a segment like that again? Let Johnny Gargano and, and Ricochet do it. Yeah. <laughs> Just completely rig it. Like, oh, my yeah. God. Those kids are made of lead. They do it off the top of a ladder or some shit. Yes. Rico- oh, that would be cool. Ricochet does the fucking 630 off the top of the ladder and go they go through the ring. Oh my That'd gosh. That'd be fucking awesome, actually. It'd be like Roadrunner and Wiley Coyote. Yeah, just, we'll just get like a fucking 20-foot ladder and make it happen. Triple H, our number is... <laughs> yes, if you're listening. I like games. <coughs> All right. My number two moment, and this is one I would have put my entire life savings on the fact that this definitely 1,000% happened on Raw, but it did not. Rey Mysterio's debut in the WWF, uh, the the cage match, jumping off the cage, this was one of the most exciting debuts ever. Uh, I'm pretty sure if you go back in the archives to our debut list, we talk about this multiple times. Um, it's so great. They they And for us, it, it kind of ties into the Eddie Guerrero conversation where, like, one, you we would never think Rey Mysterio was going to be in the WWF ever anyway. Right. Let alone have a, a prime spot. They made him a megastar in the first night, just completely unannounced. It was great. 
It was impactful, and uh, I absolutely love it. It's uh, maybe a little high on my list, but like for me, it's such a significant moment. Like to me, it was like the moment where they officially put the stamp on. We're we're changing the business is changing. WWE WWF is changing. And, you know, the the most talented guys are going to be here, period. So. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I think it's adequately on, you know, high on your list. Uh, and it was a glaring omission of mine because, like you, I thought that debut took place on Raw as well. Uh, but the fact that it's on a SmackDown, that's fantastic. And, yeah, this was a huge moment. This is 2002. 2002 is arguably one of the best rosters that company has ever seen. And for yeah. for Rey Mysterio to come and debut and not only be just another guy, but a tippy top guy jumping off the cage onto a McMahon, that that that's solidified. That you're a made guy. And like I love that he got a little more jacked. He changed his gear up a bit. They 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 WWE'd him up uh, they WWE'd him up a bit, gave him a grand entrance, gave him some uh, sweet ass like contact lenses. He he became the guy that had like a, a new costume at every WrestleMania, a different superhero. And uh yeah regarded as one of the tippy top guys and a legend to this day on the cover of the latest uh, wrestling video game. And it has a whole campaign yeah. single player mode dedicated to his career. Rey Mysterio is one of those, like if he, if you were a, if you were someone that was just merely a fan in the two thousands and, you know, just because time is different and people have seen other things. If you came up to me being like, you know, a, a mid mid 20 year old or a low 20 year old, and you just said your Mount Rushmore had Rey Mysterio on it. I wouldn't even argue. Like that's that tracks. If, yeah, if you, absolutely. If, as long as you've lived and as much Rey Mysterio as you've seen and how tied to yeah. wrestling he is, if he's your Mount Rushmore, I <laughs> gladly accept it and won't argue it. Yeah, and a as we're speaking, he just finished an absolute banger of a match on this fucking pay per view. So we have reached the moment of truth. The number one on your list, good sir. The number one moment for SmackDown for me, you know. I it's funny because like it's not a it's not a personal moment, but it kind of was just because everyone was living this, and you know they like to hang their hat on this title, and it's a nice title to have. But this is the first quote unquote, and they'll all say it, public gathering on television since the brutal, devastating attack on 9/11, uh, and this was like a, such a trip for me because the first time I've ever seen Vince in street clothes uh, on television, and just it felt like. Everybody, you didn't have to be a wrestling fan. Uh, you didn't have to, you didn't have to like wrestling. You didn't know all the heels and faces were out there. They were just all on TV, and then they capped it off with the opening with Lillian crying her way through the national anthem. And it's, it's one of those big ass moments that that took place within the world of the world instead of just the world of wrestling. And it just happened to take place on a SmackDown. And I don't think I could have. Uh, lived with myself if this wasn't a on my list and be the number one moment on my list. And I 100% agree with you. It is absolutely my number one moment. Uh, might it, this is arguably the number one moment in wrestling television history, let alone just SmackDown history. Like <clears throat> I remember that whole day of nine 11, basically like, we were getting ready to walk out the door for school and we never had the TV on in the morning. Um, but I think somehow, somehow somewhere told my mom something. And so the TV 
got turned on and we were trying to figure out what the fuck was going on and we're walking out the door and you know just it's it, it, as an 18 year old it's like what the you know what is happening right now and um as the school day went on every single class all day long we just sat there in class listening to the radio watching the news talking about what was going on and and, and, and we didn't study anything we didn't no. there, there was no homework there were no assignments even in like band class the the band director's like no we we're watching the news we're doing this and all day long so and and I can't imagine being a teacher at that moment having to try to like just talk to the to, to you know teenage kids and and console slash just explain what's going on yeah and, they probably want to go and do that for their own kids right now yeah and and the world rightfully shut down for a couple of days nothing happened and like i mean they canceled baseball games they canceled everything nothing was happening and then smackdown happened and this is one of the times that vince mcmahon like outdid himself went above and beyond the call of duty and delivered just a special like event with basically just trying to put it out there that like no you won't fucking stop us you can't make us go away we're going to come pull together that's what america does that's who we are we're going to live our lives. We're not going to let you decide how we get to live and let us live in fear and all that stuff. And and they just, it was such a great episode. And it was like the first moment of like, you know, this is, we're getting back to normal. And then, and, and, and the same thing happened in baseball and everything. George Bush went out and threw out the first pitch to the first baseball game that happened after that. And I mean, just a lot of awesome stuff, but this moment was bigger than professional wrestling. It was bigger than, you know, sports or entertainment. This was a moment for, you know, America. And it, it's crazy to see where we are now as far as, you know, togetherness goes. As a country, we're not exactly together. But I remember the months following 9-11. It was the one time in my lifetime where I felt like I truly experienced you know, togetherness and we're all in it. Like we're all Americans and we're united. And, uh, this was kind of the kickoff to that. So absolutely. I agree. Number one moment in SmackDown history. Fantastic. Yeah. How do you, how do you top a moment like that? You know, we, we all love the world of professional wrestling, but when, when, but when professional wrestling pulls off something that transcends, you know, its own world and it's not even of their own doing the fact that Vince man's you know took it upon himself to you know go out there and say no we got to tell the people it's okay like like that like that's his responsibility you know say what you want about the man like you know his dedication to just getting the show out there no matter what's happening is pretty admirable and uh dare i say we see another entity that's at heart of a worker uh in this industry again yeah, and it's crazy to go from that to where we are right now, and it just in the world in general, and how much the world changes. That yeah, oh yeah, I don't I don't know. Patriotism can be a dirty word today. Yeah, ab- yeah, absolutely. That's where we're at. Yeah, yeah. You, you, 
Yeah, patriotism is is like offensive at this point. Yep. That's that's where we are in the world. And uh, uh All right. So um do you have any honorable mentions? Well, we had such a very serious talk on this uh, on this program and it's hard for me to uh Say the honorable mention I'm thinking of first, but uh, Eddie Guerrero spraying shit all over the big show uh, has to be up there. Um, from there, we can go from spraying shit on somebody to the very offensive JBL controls the border. Um, yes, the way he uh, got in favor with the real American Olympic champion general manager Kurt Angle, the way he earned his title shot was by securing the border of invading Mexicans. Um uh, so much so that they had a whole segment of him chasing people down and chasing them out of his, out of the country. Boy, what a segue from the very number one that this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The most patriotic we're all together, and and then you jump right to where we're at today in yep. politics. <laughs> Thanks, JBL. I'm just kidding. It's not his fault. Uh, but but also uh, another moment, great moment that's in very poor taste that happened on SmackDown. We've talked about it a lot on the show. Your daddy's dead. Your daddy's oh, dead. Oh my gosh! <laughs> the big and, show's father's funeral. <laughs> yes, and we, and we can never forget, ever forget, Don Marie fucks Al Wilson to death. <laughs> they had a funeral for him. <laughs> they, they should have put a smile on his face when they when they did the open casket. That oh, would have been like yes. you know, come on. Oh man. Boy, oh. we really dug ourselves out of that serious hole. That's right. We dug ourselves out of a serious hole. Yeah. I I was I will say this because when I was going through the list, the JBL thing popped up, and it almost made my list because I fucking love that moment. It was um, hilarious. It it is, especially since he got his ass beat. Like in when it was all said and done, Eddie Gra Like for me, it's the kind of angle that I want to see more of where it's, it's real, but it's a character. Like obviously JBL is not a racist piece of shit in real life. Okay. He's kind of a jerk. People know that, but I mean, he grew up in Texas. He, he, I mean, it, he, he loved Eddie. Eddie was one of his favorite people of all time. He still cries when he talks about Eddie to this day, but I love the realism of bringing politics kind of into it, bringing hateful people into it. Like, I personally would be okay with capitalizing on shit like there's neo-Nazis showing up to, to rallies for people right now and they're protesting again. I'm okay with having heel gimmicks and characters from real life that exist on my TV show as long as the good guys win when it's all said and done. Exactly. I, I don't care how crazy yeah. and how cheap, quote-unquote, the heat is. If the end result is that guy gets his in the end, then then it doesn't matter. Like we have to make credible villains, you know, like look at some of, I, you've never seen game of Thrones. So it doesn't matter if I spoil something, but there, a guy literally burns his daughter alive. <laughs> yeah. So naturally you want to see that guy. You're going to tune in episode after episode to make sure that guy dies. I don't care if this show uh, jumps the shark at some point, this guy better die at some point because of what he did. Yeah. Four absolutely. episodes ago. And we need to create characters like that. So Gunther really needs to go out there and spit some fucking crazy anti-American fire so we can get some, maybe a clean word version of patriotism 
and uh, yeah, yeah. and we can make ourselves a global villain again. You know, it, it's not preposterous. Well, I mean, as we speak right now, Riddle and Seth Rollins are brawling. Oh God damn it, people! Right. So, um, the build up to this was real shit. Yeah, this was real shit. He really I mean, did get guys, divorced. Yeah, they're talk. Yeah, they're talking about this guy's divorce. They're talking about each other's wives and ex-wives and children and stuff like that, and getting personal. And and so when they brawled in the parking lot, it was real. It felt real. It was good. And then even like Seth Rollins this week, he did a, a an interview where he was shooting on it, talking about like, no, he really doesn't like Matt Riddle. Like he doesn't like his personality. He doesn't like the things he says. He thinks he's an arrogant t- douche. And so, like, he, you know, he didn't want to work with them when they came to the company, but they have chemistry, so, you know, we're going to do what we can. But, yeah, I don't like him. So all this was easy to do. Like, I, when realism spills into professional wrestling, it becomes, it, it becomes more than just entertainment. Yes. You know, it becomes something you could just lose yourselves in. And, and, and whether it's just in matches like, you know, Gunther and, and – uh, Sheamus look like a real fight. I mean, these guys look like they have real heat with each other and they're pissed off. And so, like, I love story, real storylines. Like, they, they, you know, and a few times they've touched on it. Like, they, they did it with, uh, was it Zeb Coulter was that Dutch's name when he was. Oh, the, yeah. The, we the, the people. Americans were, yeah, we the people. Like, they touched on it. It was great. I think that right now, like, a real super over-the-top political character that that's, like, Donald Trump-esque would just be one of the best characters you could have it on in any form of entertainment. And I don't understand why WWE and professional wrestling get held to a different standard than anything else because, you know, uh, like you watch any other show, you can you can do shows about terrorists. Why yep. you can do shows about incest and rape and all this and it's fine, but if you did it in WWE where everyone knows it's fake in a show, like it's all of a sudden held to a different standard. So I don't know, man, I, I loved the JBL gimmick and uh, I thought it added a lot to it. So yes, realism <laughs> creates good stories, good stories, creates great moments. And speaking of moments, we need to solidify this top 10 Cole. Well, I think since we both like the Shawn Michaels super kick spot and I had the first match on there, I'm going to sneak that in there. First episode, you know, yeah, collectively AAA, first yeah, episode. Yeah, yeah. So we agree. Uh, and then, yeah, we got Brian, we got Ray's return. I definitely am giving you the Hogan promo yes. 1,000% for sure. Um, I I would push for the um, grocery store brawl with Stone Cold <laughs> and Booker T because I love it. I definitely want to put Billy and Chuck's wedding on here. Good. Yeah, we'll, we'll do that. Uh, are you okay with uh, the Austin gimmick? The The grocery store? Yeah. Yes, that's way better than Austin Hunt's DX. Although you do need to watch uh, X Pac get caved in by the ceiling. I think we're just gonna put Austin's feud with DX because we both had one. You know, we you had him hunting them. I had him blowing up the bus. I think Austin's feud with DX goes on here. <laughs> just collective SmackDown moments. Yeah. And that gets us to ten. So we don't have anything else to debut or to to debate here. Paul so, pro- Paul's promo on Vince didn't make the cut. Ooh. Well, we could dump we could bump the Austin feud for the Heyman. Mm, I don't know. What was what was more of a moment? Well, yeah, I mean, a moment uh it, the moment itself is 
is Heyman's shoot butt. Shoot uh, butt. Yes, his shoot butt. Uh, I think the DX stuff maybe stands out, stands the test of time a little better. Yeah, because in the eyes it was, of the fans, because it was a thread. It not, happened not, more than once. <laughs> yeah, not not that we ever care about what other fans think or what the historic what's historically accurate in any of our lists or brackets or anything. But Doink is the greatest new generation wrestler <laughs> this world has ever seen, according to us. Well, you know. We also had Hulk Hogan as the greatest uh, 80s wrestler and Bret Hart as the greatest Canadian wrestler of all time. So See? Drenched, think, in, drenched in facts. Yeah, yeah facts. Mabel Everything's be- facts. Mabel, be- Mabel beats Brody. <laughs> oh, Mantar you know is the number what? one masked wrestler of all time. You know what? I got to say, uh, I listened to, listened to the Jeff Jarrett podcast uh, the other day where he was talking all about Mabel. I mean, he went on for about an hour talking about Mabel and starting in the business because he kind of got his start down in uh, in Memphis. So, you know, he knew him before he got signed. The dude was there for like three months and ended up getting signed to WWE. And then they had a match at a SummerSlam once upon a time. So uh, I kind of, you know, looking looking more fondly on Mabel these days, I got to say. Mabel was fantastic. To Jeff Jarrett. Yeah. Dude, the four doinks versus uh, Bam Bam, Head Shrinkers, oh and Bastion God, Booker yes. is one of the most is one of the best train wrecks you'll ever see. Fatu jobs to a banana. <laughs> oh my God, I gotta go watch that. Oh, it's one of the best, and then the best <laughs> doink promo ever at the end of the match too. Doink's oh, not even in it. Great. No, yeah, the doink is not actually in this match. <laughs> Well, I'm going to start yelling numbers because that's the next segment, pal. So yes, if you sir. could just start shouting out our solidified creative team, SmackDown Moment Top 10, number 10. Austin goes after DX. Nine. Stone Cold Steve Austin and Booker T have a grocery store brawl. Eight. Billy and Chuck's wedding capped off with the Eric Bischoff cameo. Seven. Ray Mysterio's debut. Six. Daniel Bryan's return after three years from out from injury. Five. The very first episode of SmackDown. Four. Hulk Hogan's promo after his match with The Rock at WrestleMania. Three. Eddie Guerrero's championship celebration. Two. Brock Lesnar suplexes the big show and the ring explodes. And number one. The 9-11 show, the tributes after 9-11, the return to normalcy, the first social gathering that happened after the attacks on 9-11. You know, not for nothing, but that that show, another thing that it sparked was the yearly tribute to the troops themselves. Uh, yeah, that I mean, that show, oh, man, yeah. I, I didn't even think about that, but that's absolutely correct. After after that, that's when they started doing that. Well, a historical fact is a great way to go home, Cole. Yeah. But yeah. first, <laughs> I'm going to surprise you with what we're doing next week, Cole. Uh, next week is going to be a doozy because we get to reach into our fandoms and also provide another top ten. You know, I decided that we took such a long break from top tens that I decided to get three in the can, and this is going to be the third one, and it's going to be top ten personal dream matches. Cole, 
you get to put your thinking cap on for a top 10 and it's going to be your own brain. Matches that have never happened. Matches that have got away. Matches that can take place. Matches that cannot take place. We're going to discuss them all. I'm pretty sure Bret Hart's going to be on your list 10 times. Um, <laughs> I want to hear your 10 dream matches of all time. And if it just so happens to be half of Bret Hart's matches, <laughs> then so, so be uh, it. Here we, here we go. So here's what we want to do. We need to clarify everything because, you know, we do whatever we want anyway. But just so we, we are on the same page, uh, do we want to just say every single human wrestler that's ever lived in their absolute prime dream matches or matches that should have happened in a time frame? That Anything didn't... you want. The okay. world is your oyster. We have to come up with 10 dream matches. And, of course, we're going to have to reach into all generations, all people in their prime, specify the year of the wrestler. The world is your oyster. 10 matches. Who can come up with 10 dream matches? I have, like, five off the top of my head. So I'm going to have to do a little work for the other five. Uh, yeah, so, but we could do Gorgeous George in his prime against Hulk Hogan. You and you yourself <laughs> certainly can. Uh, <laughs> yes, me alone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, go ahead, and reach in, go ahead and reach into the 50s. Drive our whole audience away. That's, uh, that's, that's the name of the game. <laughs> I get to I get to book the most obscure dream matches that only I dream about and and book something that no motherfucker else wants to see. Yes, yes, the words of a successful content creator, ladies and gentlemen. So, I don't do the outro. Oh, <laughs> uh, I'm going to let Ron get back to fucking work so maybe he can enjoy some part of this 3-day weekend. So, thanks for being here with me, buddy. I love you to death. Oh, also, let's just let's just give it up for Ron one more time. He just gave himself his yearly reminder that he has lost a whole entire obese male worth of weight. Let's just, Ronald. Yes, that's right, ladies and gentlemen. With enough hard work and sort of eating right, you can be just slightly fat. <laughs> So, for Ron Kilborn, I am your host, Cole Dawson, saying thank you, we love you, and good night. Thanks for listening. Find us on Instagram and Twitter at Creative Team Pod, or just the Creative Team on Facebook. Follow Cole Dawson on Twitter and Instagram at Cole2130, and follow yours truly at Ron underscore Kilborn. We'll see you next week on another episode of The Creative Team!